Hey there, my name is Janny and I'm the host of What's On Your Mind. I interview guests about their weekly musings and Wikipedia rabbit holes, like toxic beauty standards, or the impact of redlining, or bees. Whatever it is, we'll process it together. We'll all learn a little something and take another step in creating our own stories, all while adding another laugh line to your face. Welcome to 901 On The Mind, filmed live and in person at the Arcade Restaurant in downtown Memphis, Memphis's oldest cafe founded in 1919. Thank you, Kelsey, Jeff, and your amazing restaurant for supporting this show. The purpose of this show is to provide a window into the variety of unique stories and voices that make up Memphis. We are Memphis, and we are proud of our city and its people, its spirit, and the grit and grind of who we are. The views and opinions expressed on 901 On The Mind are those of the podcast guests and do not necessarily reflect the official values, perspectives, or positions of myself, Jannie Rad, or the Arcade Restaurant. Let's see if any of this rings a bell. Explore Bike Share Memphis? Century House? What about Uncorked on Netflix? Well, all three of those exist in part because of Anton Mack, and it was an amazing honor to be able to talk to Anton about his story in Memphis. He has lived all over the world, and he used one word to describe Memphis that I've not heard anyone use before, and that is refreshing. I won't spoil it anymore. You'll have to listen to this conversation. Anton, thank you so much for all of the work that you do in Memphis. Hey, Anton, what's on your mind? Hey, Jenny. Uh, (laughs) Any number of things are on my mind uh, pretty much any day. Uh, right now, I am heading Explore Bike Share for the city, and what's on my mind has been just ways to grow the city and ways to contribute and give back to the city. So the work that I do at the Bike Share every day is really a pivotal part of my contribution uh, as a new Memphian and an old Memphian in a kind of odd kind of way. Um, I just feel a real responsibility and a commitment to the city that I love so much. Uh, And I'm excited that I have the opportunity uh, to share uh, and give back to the city every day, so. Wow, I love that. And that sentiment is something that I've heard many people in Memphis carry of kind of feeling this responsibility of wanting to to give back and and play a role in helping Memphis move forward. And I love that you called yourself both an old Memphian and a new Memphian. And I would love to just hear more about your journey. Sure, sure. Well, I call myself an old Memphian because I'm fourth generation, uh, fourth generation Memphian. So my great grandmother uh, lived here uh, the latter portion of her life uh, before she passed. And uh, her daughter, my grandmother, uh, also as well. And even though my mother didn't really live formally in Memphis, she's just moved, moved here uh, 62 years later after leaving the area. She's just moved back, but uh, my aunts and uncles are all here as well, too. So I grew up visiting Memphis. So I would come to Memphis pretty much every year, sometimes twice a year. And it was just, it was fun. So I didn't live here full time except for a few summers. I stayed with my grandmother, but I really got to know the city. But most importantly, I was raised by people who are from Memphis. So I have the same core values uh, and views and ideas that I think are very consistent with Memphians. So I do feel like uh, someone who has been here for a period of t- uh, a longer period of time, but I just moved here seven years ago full time. And it was not in my original life plan, I think but it just started to develop over the years. I lived kind of all over the world and was really thinking about where I wanted to settle and the obvious solution for me was Memphis. Wow, I I love stories like that where it's almost like this 
it's it's a circle, but it's like it's it's a, this kind of circle. <laughs> yes, right, right. That is fantastic. Well, and you mentioned Explore Bike Share, and I yes. know that's one of kind of many footprints that you have in Memphis. But let's hear a little bit about Explore Bike Share and kind of where you put your passion in that, and yeah, um, yeah just like wh- why why you do it. Right, right. Well, it was two years ago that uh, I was looking for uh, a, a more kind of tangible way for me to commit to the city. I'd been serving on a number of committees and boards with the DMC, uh, with uh, Indy Memphis, uh, the Memphis River Parks as well too, and, and through all of that work, I just realized I was so focused on, on ways in which uh, I could make the city better. And having been an avid cyclist myself um, uh, early on in life, um, I just thought, what better fun could there be to have a job where I get to ride bikes every yeah. day and, but really more importantly, help get uh, Memphians moving uh, and figure out ways to help improve the city through all of its residents, their health, their lifestyle, their environment uh, as well too. So uh, biking is just, I think, a, a, an important and critical part of that. I knew it was very new for the city, so I figured if there was a way for me to help uh, cycling kind of really take a foothold uh, here in Memphis, that it's something that I could, could really do to help, help change the culture. So um, I would love to see Memphians get out more, and so before you ride a bike, you've got to walk and you've got to head outdoors. So uh, why not enjoy this wonderful weather that we have um, a huge portion of the year uh, by getting on a bike to do that. And I don't even know if you know this about me, but my passion is the intersection of health and built environments. So I love this. And I actually came to Memphis from D.C., where in D.C. it is predominantly a walking culture, a moving culture, a cycling culture. Um, And I, I lived there for a few years and didn't even have a car. And that was actually one of the reasons why when I moved to Memphis, I actually first moved to the island, Mud Island, and then moved to downtown because it, it kind of mimicked that same kind of attention to the physical health and physical environment and built environment that I saw in D.C. where you could, you know, walk a couple paces outside of your house and there are things to do. Yep. And you have the river parks and everything. And speaking of which, I've seen your Explore Bike Share, you know, those bikes all around the river and actually even on that bridge that heads over to... Uh, to Arkansas, and that, that's fantastic. Yeah, I am so excited, and uh, I spent most of my time uh, growing up in Annapolis, Maryland, so just outside of D.C., okay. which I know very well. Um, I spent a little bit of time in D.C., but went to college in Baltimore, and Baltimore has a, a bit of a walking culture, but not quite as much as D.C., so that was kind of a first peak for me, but it wasn't until I moved to Europe, and like you, um, I lived there without a car um, and felt very comfortable getting around and doing everything that I needed to do. I even went to Ikea and you know, purchased a whole bunch of stuff, and I said, how am I going to get this back? Yeah. <laughs> how am I going to get this back? Because I took the subway there. And they have cars for rent, um, uh, taxis really, uh, that you that are sitting outside of IKEA, and you just jump in a taxi and you head back home. But it's so much easier than owning a car, paying for it, paying for insurance, uh, gasoline—you know—all of the things that that are involved in that. So, 
I walked, walked, walked uh, all over London, all over Paris, all the time that I was there. I was in the best shape that I'd ever been in in my life, and I thought, I really need more of this. So it was the only thing that I really missed when I moved to Memphis. Uh, I certainly uh, can walk a lot and can bike a lot while I'm here, but I just want to encourage others to do it when it's a culture that everyone kind of participates in. Um, it becomes very infectious. So, um, yeah, so I love to get out to, to walk and to bike all the time and just really want to encourage everyone else to do the same. Well, I'm right there with you, so I'll be your, I'll be your cheerleader right behind you. Great, great. <laughs> um, I'm curious, what actually drew you to Europe? Well, um, I actually, uh, the first time I lived in Europe, I was really very young, so we, we actually left from, from, from Memphis. Uh, I was just a year old. My father was in the military, and, and we spent uh, three years in Germany, so uh, international travel was not something that was uh, foreign to me, and I was just very comfortable. So when I decided to go back to school, uh, to business school, which I had always wanted to do, it was later in my career, uh, I really wanted to do something different. I said, if I'm going to go back um, really this far through my career, I want to learn as much as I can. And I figured living in a different country and a different culture would give me even greater insights to, to, to business. So I found a business school that's based in Paris, but has five campuses in total. Uh, in addition to Paris, there's London, Madrid, Berlin, and Turin in Italy. And you can choose classes from any one of those five campuses, which I may great use of. Yeah. And uh, we even had regional seminars where I headed to Brussels uh, a number of times um, at a couple of different universities there, but also to the, e, uh, the EC. And so visiting the European Commission and preparing uh, proposals and, and delivering presentations uh, 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 in the same venue where they're really running the European Union was incredibly exciting for me. And then we had international trips as well too. And I went to, to China and to Brazil. Uh, and then also came to the US as my first time visiting the US <laughs> as an international trip. So, um, so I decided to live in London full time because my old law firm had its biggest office in London. And as I was transitioning, uh, leaving from there, I set up shop there in London uh, before I, um, uh, finally left the firm and you know, kind of made the big step to go back into academia and just had the absolute time of my life in business school, made wonderful contacts, traveled the entire continent uh, and lived like a European. And it was just, it was super exciting and uh, I almost stayed, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was hard to leave. But honestly, coming here to Memphis, I feel very close to Europe again because this, many of the same cultural aspects uh, that are consistent in Memphis and, and many of the things that we do every day in life are very similar to, to European countries. Wow, that's really fascinating perspective. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I've never heard anyone say that before. I love that. Well, it's interesting. Uh, when you compare the two, I think it's pretty obvious. And you look at a European city, they're steeped in traditions. That seems like a good point for a break. Time for some ads. It's definitely no secret that I have struggled with body image and my relationship to food. I'll tell you, I've tried everything from yo-yo dieting to apps that weren't helpful to meeting with a bunch of different professionals. And I have to say, I think I finally have found the solution. It is an app called Wavelength and they combine personalized nutrition plans with powerful mindset and mental health tools. 
Wavelength is a holistic, compassionate, science-forward approach for anyone struggling with eating choices. My favorite section of the app are the eight minutes a day audio courses and the over 20 mindset practices. This has been tremendous in my mental health journey and improving my relationship to food and helping me take one step closer to loving my body again. If you would like to join me on this journey and also support the podcast along the way, visit wavelength.live backslash mind to access your secret code, which will give you a 50% off discount for the app. So please check out this app and follow that link to find your code to get 50% off. Wavelength is the app to take back your power over food. And now back to the show. Uh, they value their people, their families, uh, their way of life. They're not super fast to change. And for some reason, when we look at Europe, we say, oh, how committed and traditional they are. But we look in an American city and we're saying, well, why are they not keeping up? Right. You know, it's almost seen as a, as a negative. But the reason that Italian leather is is so nice, Italian further furniture is so well designed, is because they take pride in their craft and they stick with it and they do as well as they can. And there's so many things here in Memphis uh, that, that really do the same thing, whether it's you know the obvious like uh, barbecue or whether it's the pervasive music uh, industry. There's so many things that Memphians are committed to and they really work very, very hard to, to get it done and get it done right. So. I absolutely see that. I couldn't agree more. I think that's one of my main draws to staying in Memphis is that this city knows who it is. It, it has such a deep culture and, you know, it, it's it's a city that you, if you were just to go and plant yourself in another city out anywhere in the United States, a lot of cities kind of are similar. Um, but Memphis is one of a kind and yes. I've never lived anywhere like this before and that's what's kept me here. I, I could not agree more. Um, there are some larger chain stores that you, you know that I, I, I think are great, but it's really nice to walk down the street and visit a unique shop that is specific to the area that you live in, to know the shop owners, uh, to know your neighbors, uh, to know the transportation drivers, you know whoever it might be in your community. And I, I agree that's something that's really unique about Memphis and it's very different. We do know who we are, and we're devoted to growing who we are rather than just changing to follow a tide or, or, or follow someone else. So having lived in Los Angeles and in D.C. and Baltimore, um, across the country, there is a lot of repetition. So uh, it's really refreshing to come to a place that doesn't spend a, a lot of time looking at other cities and feeling overly competitive, so. Yeah. Are there things we can do better? Of course there are, it's true of any city, but we'll sit down and really think about it before we make a change, you know, get focused on it and, and get the work done, but do it the way that we want to do it, not just because some other city is doing it. Absolutely, refreshing, that's such a great word to describe, to describe Memphis. Yes. So I am interested to talk a little bit about Century House, um, the work that you do with that. And when I was reading about it, I don't even want to provide a description because I think I would do it injustice. How about you share your story of your involvement with Century House and what it means to you? Sure, sure. Century House really was developed out of uh, several interests of mine. So one of the things I wanted to do when I came to Memphis was to find 
uh, real estate and make an investment. And I'd actually looked for a home and thought about uh, renovating a home, which I had done in Los Angeles. And um, I really love architecture. I love uh, construction, building, and design. Uh, I've always been very hands-on. Uh, in fact, I took the uh, contractor's course here in Memphis when I got here to make sure that I was uh, up uh, with all of my skills. Uh, and then I ended up finding a commercial building instead of a home. And I thought, well, it's not so large that I think I could actually uh, handle this. Yeah. So when I started doing research, I discovered that the building uh, I was interested in had been built by 20th Century Fox Pictures. It's a part of Film Row, uh, right at uh, starting advance and 2nd Street. But along 2nd Street, there are other single-story Art Deco buildings that were also owned by major film companies. Uh, and we were the regional distribution hub for the movie industry uh, right here in Memphis. A lot of people don't know that history, but I just found it fascinating. So here I come in after spending 20 years living in L.A. and having lots of friends working in entertainment, and I just thought this was kind of meant to be. So I decided to call it Century House. I wasn't sure what it was going to be initially. I thought I would just uh, renovate the space and rent it out to others so that they could run their own business. But as I worked on it and spent time walking around South Main, I just fell in love with the neighborhood. So I got involved with the South Main Association, uh, met quite a few people, and through that I really did my investigative work and I started looking for what does Memphis need? Uh, and not simply what Memphis was in need of, but what do they need and not necessarily realize that they haven't, uh, you know, that they needed yet. So I had uh, always gone to a, a private social club in London with some friends of mine and always just thought, this is the coolest space, the coolest place. It wasn't so much an exclusive environment, but it was an upscale environment uh, that had lots of variety, people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, who were coming into a comfortable, safe space uh, to spend time meeting folks and, and having a drink or sharing a story, you know, every evening. So I did my research and decided that I would open a social club, and we called it Century House. And um, it's just been a fantastic experience. So that really met my need to do something social and create a club environment that I really enjoyed. Um, also satisfied my need to invest in real estate. But the other piece was my background is in professional development. I've spent my whole career working in talent management, uh, first in undergraduate admissions, law school admissions, and then later on at one of the larger law firms. Uh, I was head of all of the recruiting uh, and talent uh, development, professional development, uh, diversity, and uh, even the corporate social responsibility functions uh, for the firm. So that's really what I knew. And I thought, how can I incorporate these things? So the hidden layer to the social club is that it's a professional development center. So for each of the members, they had the option uh, to join and take part in social events, but they also had the option to receive executive coaching and counseling or business advice and counseling. And so that's really been uh, the excitement for me uh, working with people who are looking to grow themselves and grow their careers. And um, I don't think I could have done it in a better way. Um, if you're going to sit and talk about yourself and your life, but why not sit at a bar and have a drink yeah. and, and be in a comfortable <laughs> environment, you know, to do that? 
uh, why not have a built-in networking group of uh, a cohort, so to speak, of like-minded individuals to uh, to talk with and to share ideas and to grow and, and even network with. So, so uh, that is Century House. Um, things have changed since the pandemic, of course, but. At its core, that's what we do. We've had a lot of filming there, uh, which is really excited yeah. me as well too. Which is kind of a whole nother piece of it. But um, but uh, it, it really has been um, a dream come true for me. So to be able to blend all of these different things together. I really love that about your story. I know in the beginning we kind of jokingly said, "Oh, well, you know, it's it's kind of like this, a circle back to Memphis," and it. It seems like all of these little aspects of what you've shared in your life experiences have all kind of culminated in this moment of where you are today. Everything has related and everything has had purpose um, and has brought you to who you are and what you're doing in Memphis. So that's amazing. Yep. Well, I believe that planning is essential and there are different ways to plan and it's part of uh, what I provide in, in my advising with executives. Um, uh, I meet with artists, uh, I meet with a full range of uh, professionals uh, who are looking for that advice, but you really do have to create a path for yourself. You don't have to define it specifically, but you want to make sure that you have lots of forward momentum, and the only way you can really do that is by choosing at least a number of options to help propel you forward, and that's what I've tried to do with my life. Um, always taking stock of what I have, what I've developed, uh, and figuring out ways to use that in the path forward so that hopefully you'll be happy and content and satisfied. Success is not necessarily financial success, um, but for me it's more uh, peace of mind, comfort, security, um, and just happiness. So. Yeah, I feel like you've, you've talked about this beautiful story, and not that I want to say that the story is going to end, but is there another chapter? Well, I think there's always another chapter, and as I said before, I think planning is key and important. So for, for me, there's going to be a bit more of the same. I really want to expand my opportunities to, to meet with individuals and provide advising uh, and coaching, whether it's uh, through businesses or, or individuals. Uh, that's something I want to do more of. Uh, and then I'd like to combine the uh, media aspect of the history of the building and create greater opportunities for, for people to broadcast, uh, tape, uh, to film um, f uh, directly from Century House. So uh, we were really fortunate. Uh, I got a call one day and they were looking for a film film location for the movie Uncorked, which was um, oh, yeah aired on Netflix. So. And I said, absolutely. They came, and it was such um, an eye-opening process for me, even though I'd been around uh, film shoots many times in the past, but it just helped me realize that Century House really could be a resource for, uh, for media artists. So whether it's photographers or filmmakers, uh, I hope to have more of those opportunities available. Uh, we're adding uh, lots of equipment and technology uh, during a, a renovation uh, period. We've taken advantage of the, the slowdown during the pandemic to, to do some upgrades, and we want to be a ready resource for everybody who wants to create media going forward. So th that's part of my future. More advising is part of my future. And, and of course, the bike share, getting people out and getting Memphians moving, uh, uh, active. Uh, my hope is to see 
even more happy faces of people riding um, our wonderful e-bikes all over Memphis. I love that. And you know what? I will uh, keep uh, Century House 2 in my vision because if you ever add podcasting to that media uh, repertoire, I'd love to join (laughs) y'all. Absolutely. We would love to have you. I just think what you're doing is fantastic. So... Uh, And the more that we all can find a way to contribute to the city, the better the city and the stronger the city will be. Yeah. Well, thank you so much um, for being you, for being here today, sharing your story, and then giving back to Memphis in the most beautiful way possible. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And of course, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you want to learn more about me, you can check out my website, jannyrad.com. That's J-A-N-I-R-A-D.com. Head on over to jannyrad.com slash podcast and click on support the show. Check out my Instagram at jannyrad.me. Love the podcast music? That's BK Williams. You can follow him on Instagram, Brian K underscore Williams 28. Thanks for listening.